0: and my brother, Dr. Steven Ned, for this week's Body Chat about the 7 Principles of Fat Burning, Part 2. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen into our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice. So don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Steven as a patient at his office. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Ron. So we're now going to finish up our two part series on the seven principles of fat burning. And so we're going to start off this week kind of picking up where we left off. We went through a lot of the Foundational and basic information from the book. So let's begin by going over the four body types again and then go over how to determine what type you actually have. All right. Uh, The four different body types again are adrenal, ovary, thyroid,
1: and liver. And, you know, they're based on specific hormone imbalances in the body due to weaknesses in these organs, which cause you to put weight on in specific areas of the body. And this weight gain can be due to fat, fluid, or even cellulite. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, there's a couple ways that you can determine which you have. And probably the easiest way is to take the quiz in chapter four to determine the dominant body type that you are. There's also a seven-question pre-quiz that you can answer. And if you answer yes to any of them, then you pretty much have liver and gallbladder issues and will need to follow the diet for the liver and thyroid After doing the liver enhancement program, which you'll likely have to be on for a longer period of time than usual. Okay. And then, you know, the other way to find out is to just look at yourself and see where weight is being distributed, uh, along with noting various symptoms that are characteristic of the four body types. And since there are so many symptoms under each body type, I'm not going to list them, but I'll again summarize the specific weight gain patterns of each body type. All right. So, you know, the adrenal body type has fat getting stored around the organs of the abdomen, which produces a sagging or hanging or what's called a pendulous abdomen. Mm -hmm. The ovary body type is basically seen in females where estrogen cellulite type fat is found under the skin and specifically located from the belly button down, creating a stomach bulge and around the hips and thighs causing the notorious saddlebags. Correct. Correct. Uh, with the thyroid body type, instead of actual fat, a waste-like substance ends up accumulating between the cells all throughout the body, causing a condition called myxedema. And this produces an overall appearance of weight gain throughout the body instead of just in one location. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the liver body type also is not so much a fat problem, but more so an accumulation of fluid in the abdomen, causing a pop belly
2: appearance. All
1: right. Now, you know, I, I would also like to add that I would definitely recommend getting Dr. Berg's latest version of his book, The Seven Principles of Fat Burning, you know, since it's been updated and more complete. It's actually been renamed The New Body Type Guide, and you can get it on Amazon and most other bookstores. Okay. It has more information, it has all the basics from this book, but he's added a few things because, you know, research has changed. He, I think he originally wrote that book in the early 2000s, and now he uh, redid it in around 2017.
0: Cool. All right. Well, according to Dr. Berg, at least in the seven principles of fat burning, and probably in the new book, there's 10 fat burning triggers and blockers. And you touched on this briefly last week, but why don't you go over again, what they are and why they're important. Okay, the first one is the absence of sugar, and he put it first because sugar is the most
1: important thing that impacts your metabolism. So what happens is, you know, sugar triggers insulin, which makes and stores fat, and insulin is especially harmful because not only does it block fat from being used for fuel, but it also causes sugar to be converted to fat. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact is that the body, when given a choice of what it likes as a fuel source, always chooses sugar over fat. Mm -hmm. So, in order to burn fat, you can't have any sugar in a diet. And that's why the absence of sugar is then considered the most powerful trigger to fat burning. Cool. Yeah, it's easier said than done. Yeah. (laughs) All right, next up is vegetables. And they're excellent fat burning triggers, especially for the majority of people who are overweight and are actually severely dehydrated despite drinking lots of water. So, what's occurring is that they have too much water outside their cells and not enough inside their cells. And this is due to having a deficiency of potassium in their cells, likely due to them not getting enough potassium in their diet from not eating enough vegetables. And as you know, we went over this in the recent podcast on potassium and sodium. Right. Yeah, and and vegetables are by far the best source of potassium, and they have excellent ratios of high potassium and very low sodium. Again, too much sodium also causes the body to retain water, and most people are consuming way too much sodium and not enough potassium, which creates the unhealthy ratio that produces the water retention. Correct. Dr. Berg includes an excellent chart in his book showing fruits and vegetables containing high ratios of potassium to sodium. Mm. Yeah, and he also points out that potassium also helps to lower insulin levels, which will obviously improve your fat burning. Right. Uh, Plus, potassium is also important to hold protein in your body, especially in the muscles. All right, next up is protein, you know, speaking of protein. Mm -hmm. And that happens to be the third fat-burning trigger because it stimulates two fat-burning hormones, glucagon and growth hormone. Uh, Dr. Berg also points out two very important factors about protein. First is that protein works well as a fat-burning trigger unless you eat too much of it. Okay, okay. Uh, He explains that too much protein can trigger insulin, so excess protein can produce nearly the same insulin response as eating refined carbohydrates. Wow. Yeah. He says that the body can only absorb a maximum of 50 grams of protein per meal, Mm -hmm. which is equivalent to a 7-ounce steak. Plus, your liver has to be healthy to even handle this much. So if your liver is not in tip-top shape or if you have a slow thyroid, then it's important to cut back your protein intake to as low as 25 grams per day. Wow, I know. Uh, The second factor about protein is that it needs to be consumed in its whole form, especially eggs. Uh, He's not a big fan of protein powders or protein bars since they tend to be incomplete or have refined proteins uh, potentially lacking amino acids or have unnatural amino acid ratios. So better sources include raw nuts and seeds, meat, fish, chicken, and again, whole eggs. By the way, the amino acids, which are the most powerful fat-burning hormone stimulators are arginine, glycine, tryptophan, and valine. Mm. And instead of taking them in supplement form, he lists in the book the best foods that you can get them from. That's great. Mm-hmm. Okay, next up is fats. and. Actually, they don't influence fat making hormones, but the important thing to know about them is that they can stress the liver, especially if the liver isn't healthy. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, fats, especially the essential fats like omega 3s and 6s, are needed for many functions in the body. So you can't restrict them too much and go on a low fat diet because that could be dangerous to your health. Yeah. And one of the neat things about fat is that. They can keep you from overeating since they trigger hormones that make you feel satisfied and eliminate cravings. Mm-hmm. The other important point about them is avoiding the bad fats and eating the good ones. So trans fats are health destroyers and need to be avoided altogether, especially due to the tremendous stress that they put on the liver. Okay. And they include margarine, artificial butters, and basically all fats that are labeled as hydrogenated or partially
0: Hydrogenated. Right. You mentioned that in an earlier episode.
1: Okay. And uh, too many saturated fats can also stress the liver and gallbladder, and they include bacon, sausage, and overcooked beef. So better saturated fat choices include coco- coconut oil, butter, avocado, cream, cream cheese, rare steak, and hamburgers. Okay. Yeah. Okay, the next thing is skipping meals, reducing calories, or letting yourself get hungry. And this one's really interesting since intermittent fasting has become a popular detox and weight loss approach recently. Right. Well, Dr. Berg says that when you skip meals or do a fasting program, your blood sugar decreases, and this can cause two negative effects. Okay. First of all, the stress hormone cortisol increases which can cause you to break down muscle to get sugar for fuel. Mm -hmm. And if all of this sugar isn't completely used, then the excess can be changed into fat and specifically deposited around the vital organs in the abdomen. Mm. Yeah, and lowered blood sugar from skipping a meal or fasting can also create cravings for sweets, which then increase insulin to bind these sugars, and then the excess sugar, not used or stored, ends up being converted to fat in the abdomen too. So Dr. Berg gives a rule of thumb and that is eat before you get hungry and never skip a meal, especially breakfast. Okay. The next two are gland destroyers and water retainers. And we'll, you know, we'll cover them a little bit later in more detail. All right. Number eight is exercise. And that'll be included in the information concerning the specific diets. One additional point about exercise that Dr. Berg makes is that eating carbohydrates before, during, or after exercise will prevent its positive fat-burning effects since carbs can block growth hormone. Mm. So you don't want to have any carbs anytime close to exercising. Okay. Now, stress. Obviously, you know this can affect your weight, and it's primarily due to it's stimulating the fat-producing hormone cortisol which again causes you to put on fat weight in and around the abdomen. Some types of exercise can reduce stress, whereas others can actually increase it by increasing cortisol levels. So we'll look at the types of exercises which work best with the different types of body types in a little bit. Okay. And then finally, there's sleep. Uh, This is another important fat-burning trigger since good sleep helps the body produce the fat-burning hormone growth hormone. And that increases during the first two hours of deep sleep, especially between midnight and 4 a.m. So not getting enough quality sleep or total sleep, which is less than seven hours for most people, that can actually prevent fat burning. Mm. And another important point that Dr. Berg stresses before going to sleep is to avoid eating or drinking refined sugars because they can nullify growth hormones, fat burning effects, as well as keep insulin levels high Enough to uh, prevent any fat release from occurring, too. Right. Uh, So the the refined sugars list includes drinking a glass of wine or orange juice before bedtime. Mm -hmm. Some protein before bed, or even an apple, which has fiber, are much better choices.
2: Okay.
0: Now, when we get into what Dr. Berg's program is, the first step has to do with liver. It's a liver enhancement step. Now, why does he put that first? And why do you feel that that's important at that point?
1: All right. Well, you know, he puts it first so that regardless of your body type, it will jumpstart your ability to burn fat. Okay. And it's done for a minimum of 14 days. And, you know, if you're doing well on it, he recommends that you stay on it as long as you can reap the benefits. And that's including losing weight, not craving protein or getting fatigued. You know, this short program is not so much a detoxification or cleansing process, but more so a healing process to restore liver function. Uh And this is particularly important because all fat-burning hormones create their effects through the liver. So having a healthy liver is the most important first step in weight loss. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, without a healthy liver, fat burning is pretty much impossible. Basically, this step in general is high in vegetables low in protein with no animal protein, and it's also low in fat.
2: Mm.
0: Okay. So it'd be a lot of more vegetables than fruits and vegetables possibly. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, after addressing the liver, the next step is changing diet and exercise to fit your body type. What are the first basic rules that need to be known? Well, you know, what's interesting about the
1: four different body type foods is that they are basically the same, but the big difference is that the amount of protein and fat will vary. So you add more protein based on how your body responds to the initial liver enhancement step. Mm-hmm. In general, if you're a liver or thyroid type, then you'll respond better to high vegetable, low protein, and low-fat foods. Okay. And if you're either an adrenal or ovary type, then you'll need more protein as well as fat in addition to keeping your vegetable intake high. Okay. So throughout the whole thing, no matter what uh, type you are, you're always going to have high vegetable intake. Right. Yeah. And another important difference in the different meal recommendations is the daily frequency of eating. For example, in the liver enhancement step, you eat frequent meals with snacks. Mm-hmm. In the liver and thyroid eating plan, you eat the same foods and portions, but liver types eat three meals with no snacks, and thyroid types eat three meals with snacks. okay. And then in the adrenal and ovary types, they eat the same foods and portions with frequent meals and with snacks.
0: All
2: right.
1: Now, the reason the liver type does not snack is because the liver is responsible for growth hormone, and growth hormone is produced in the brain by the pituitary gland, but it works through the liver, and a bad liver can prevent it from being produced. Mm. In addition, growth hormone is stimulated when you're not eating. So, eating more frequently, like snacking, can reduce production of it when the liver is stressed. Okay. Now, let's look at exercise basics for the different body types. Mm -hmm. Uh, The main point that Dr. Berg makes about exercise is that you need to follow the correct exercise program for your body type to burn the most fat during exercise because the wrong kind of exercise can actually stop weight loss. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's two primary types of exercise. There's aerobic, which is low intensity, low pulse rate, endurance exercise. Uh And anaerobic, which is higher intensity, higher pulse rate, resistance exercise. Right. So let's go in a little bit more detail on each of these. Aerobic exercise involves low to moderate activity, which includes walking, mild treadmill use, biking, light jogging, light swimming light cross-country skiing, and other activities in which your heart rate is maintained in the 127 to 130 beats per minute range. All right. This type of exercise allows the body to burn fat fuel during exercise and slightly after. And the key thing that you need to remember about aerobic exercise is that you don't actually start burning fat until after 30 minutes of continuous exercise because you have to burn off the body's limited sugar supply first before you get into fat burning. Okay. I mean this means that if you do any of the aerobic activities that I just mentioned such as a mild treadmill session for let's say 20 minutes. I mean you'll burn calories but they're only going to be from circulating or stored sugar but not from fat. All right. And some people even need to exercise longer, like 40 to 50 minutes to tap into their fat reserves. So this type of exercise really should be done for upwards of an hour or more to really benefit from it. All right. Now, the body type that benefits the most from aerobic exercise is the adrenal type, since it causes the least stress on the body, and it won't take nearly as long to recover. And it should be done every other day in the beginning and then eventually daily. Okay. Okay. All right, moving on to anaerobic exercise. This involves quick, high-intensity exercise, which includes running, fast jogging, fast treadmill use, soccer, hockey, basketball, swing dancing, which our parents used to do, Mm -hmm. wrestling, sprinting, boxing, and especially weight training, as well as other activities that are done intensely to the point that your heart rate reaches 145 beats per minute or greater. Now, this type of exercise also differs from aerobic exercise in that instead of burning fat fuel during the time you're working out, it stimulates fat-burning hormones 14 to 48 hours later. Mm. Yeah. These fat-burning hormones are growth hormone, glucagon, and testosterone. And for more information on these, refer back to our previous podcast on this topic. Okay. It's also very important that when you do anaerobic exercises that you do them in short, intense bouts with lots of rest in between so that the muscles are activated without overtraining and stressing out the adrenals too much.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, Anaerobic exercise should also be done at most every other day. And if you're sore, you should wait even longer until the soreness is minimal or gone. Uh, soreness is also a great indicator on whether you should increase your difficulty level, such as adding more weights when you're weight training. More soreness means you should hold off and give it more time and more rest, whereas less soreness means you can increase the difficulty and intensity. And anaerobic exercise is perfect for the liver and thyroid body types, and they should only do anaerobic exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the only body type left is the ovary type, and it's unique when it comes to exercise because it's the only one that works best when you do both aerobic and anaerobic exercise. yeah. Dr. Berg recommends that women with the ovary body type exercise every day with anaerobic and either every other day or even daily with aerobic. And since this body type is the one with cellulite mostly below the belly button, the best type of exercise focuses on the lower body. So that would include walking, running, treadmill, soccer, basketball, jazz dancing, and step aerobics so that you're working the muscles of the hips, thighs, and buttocks.
0: Cool. All right. That's all very helpful information to know, and people should get the book so that they can review it and not just hear it once and forget about it. But what are the key additional principles that determine the results? All right.
1: Well, there's several things here. You know, I just brought up the point that it's very important to make sure that you're eating the right amount of protein, mm-hmm. no matter what body type eating plan that you're on. Well, there are actually seven body changes that you can assess to determine if you're really eating the correct amount of protein. So I thought I'd mention these. Okay. And they would be your energy level, sleep quality, amount of sleep, cravings, overall digestion, inches lost, and weight loss. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, if you're still on the liver enhancement step and all seven of these indicators are doing well, then you should just stay on it for as long as you're getting these positive results. If you start noticing that your energy is lower, you're not sleeping as well, you're, you're getting food cravings, uh, your digestion is poor, or there's no intra weight loss, then you can move into the liver and thyroid eating plan, which is simply adding a little bit more protein. Okay. And if that doesn't work, or if you're an obvious adrenal or ovary type, then you can transition into the adrenal and ovary eating plan, which again, adds more protein and fat while still maintaining the high amount of vegetable intake. Excellent. All right. So next up, you know, when it comes to exercise, there's also seven hidden barriers that will prevent weight loss.
0: Really? Yeah. What are they?
1: Well, the first one is sleeping less than seven quality hours.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's also not resting enough between exercise sessions. Mm-hmm. Then there's not resting long enough between the repetitions or intense bouts of exercise. Okay. Also, exercising intensely for too long. So, for example, intense anaerobic exercise should be kept between 25 and 40 minutes. Also, consuming sugar, starches, juice, uh, sports drinks, or alcohol, especially the same day that you exercise. Okay. Uh, Having pain and and inflammation is also troublesome as well as lots of stress. Right. One final thing. Uh, There are other key essential rules that are basically a repeat of the fat burning triggers and blockers. And they are to, again, avoid sugar, sweet fruits, grains, and starches. Mm -hmm. Consume lots of raw, whole, nutrient-dense, high-fiber vegetables. Okay. Don't allow yourself to get hungry. Consume the right balance and amount of fat for your body type. Avoid gland blockers and water retainers, which we'll be going over shortly. Okay. Again, reduce stress and get adequate amounts of sleep. And here's a neat one. Uh, As you increase protein, space out proteins evenly throughout the day, eating smaller amounts with each meal rather than large amounts at one time, since too much at one sitting can, again, increase insulin levels.
0: Exactly. Now, what should people be aware of in relation to hidden sugars? Well, hidden sugar is just as harmful to the body as straight up table sugar, which
1: is pretty much the most fat triggering and health destroying substance in our diet. Mm -hmm. You know, the list of hidden sugars is quite extensive, so I'll do my best to summarize and include the major ones. Okay, go ahead. So let's start with flavored yogurt. That's anything other than plain yogurt Mm -hmm.
0: loaded with sugar.
1: Gum. Mm -hmm. Alcohol. People don't think of alcohol as like refined carbohydrate sugar, but it basically that's how it's processed in the body. Mm-hmm. Salad dressings are notorious for having hidden sugar in them. Yeah. And of course, ketchup uh, has high fructose corn syrup. And if you, if you shop, you'll notice uh, some of the major brands say does not contain high fructose corn syrup.
0: Right. Because then they just dump sugar in there.
1: Right. Well, yeah. Uh, refined grains, which include cereal, pasta, bread, pancakes, rice cakes, and puffed rice cereals. Mm-hmm. Starchy vegetables like potatoes, yams, corn, potato chips, and French fries.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Those are all fun foods. Darn it! Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, sweet fruits like bananas, dates, figs, raisins, canned fruits, and dried fruits, and mangoes. I mean, these have extremely high sugar contents. Right. And this one will probably upset a lot of people, but juices, including fresh squeezed orange juice, apple juice, and even carrot juice from a juicer, mm-hmm. regardless of whether it's organic or not, is just loaded with sugar. Yep. And, you know, the problem with fruit and vegetable juices is that the fiber from the whole fruit has been removed. So the amount of sugar now causes an insulin spike, which is normally buffered by the fiber when you eat the fruit or vegetable whole. Right. So Dr. Berg mentions that out of all the juices, carrot is the least damaging, but drinking carrot juice in such a concentrated form still gives you too much sugar. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, he does give one exception to juicing, and that is if someone is very ill or has lots of fluid retention, then they can juice fresh vegetables once or twice a day in a combination of celery, carrot, beet, radish, red potato, and kale. And this must be consumed immediately to get the full benefits of the enzymes. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Dr. Berg, just like us, also puts Stevia at the top of the list for sugar substitutes and recommends avoiding all
0: artificial sweeteners. Good. Now, you mentioned about water retainers and gland blockers before. Can you summarize the main points about those two things? Absolutely. Uh, So let's start with the water retainers, which, again, are one of the fat-burning
1: blockers that I listed earlier.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, table salt is the most obvious of these, but there are others that we need to be aware of, too. Okay. So let's start with MSG, also known as monosodium glutamate. This is a huge culprit in causing water retention because it contains large amounts of sodium. Mm -hmm. And the big problem with this substance, which is used to make foods taste better, is that it goes by many names other than MSG. Oh, yes. Yeah, these sneaky food manufacturers can put it into their products and can call it all kinds of things, so I thought I'd list them, you know, the main ones that, are, that you'll see in food. Go ahead. And you'd never think it was MSG, but, yeah, it's modified food starch, mm-hmm. autolyzed yeast, calcium cassinate, sodium cassinate, hydrolyzed protein. Hydrolyzed vegetable protein, carrageenan, glutamic acid, and yeast extract. Wow! Yeah, and you know it's found primarily in processed foods like boxed foods, canned goods, gravies, sausage sauces, TV dinners, hot dogs, and condiments, and Chinese food and Chinese restaurants, big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he also pointed out in animal studies that it shows that it can triple the output of the hormone insulin, which is not only the major fat-making hormone, but it's also the main preventer of fat burning. So when your body is loaded with insulin, it absolutely cannot burn fat at all. Next up on the water retainers is artificial sweeteners. Hmm. Yeah, these are found in thousands of foods, especially diet sodas. And for more information on the harmful effects of artificial sweeteners, check out our podcast dedicated to them. Number 12, right? Uh, Refined sugars and carbohydrates also cause fluid retention in the body by throwing off the balance of potassium and sodium in and around the cells. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. That's because when sugar and flour are processed to white sugar and white flour, nutrients are removed, including potassium Mm. and potassium is needed to digest these substances So you end up using your potassium reserves, which is primarily inside the cells, and this creates the domino effect of dehydration inside the cells and fluid retention outside the cells.
0: All right. That explains that. Yeah.
1: Now, looking back at gland blockers, uh, well, Dr. Berg refers to them as gland destroyers, and there's actually seven that he lists in the book. All right. So let's go through these. Okay. First one is alcohol. This one is particularly destructive to the liver, and just a little alcohol at night can set your liver back for several days as far as fat burning is concerned. Hmm. And it can also trigger the other fat-producing hormones, insulin and cortisol. Next up is, uh, a lot of people aren't going to like this either, caffeinated products. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That's coffee, tea, soda, and chocolate. Uh, What happens is these can overstimulate uh, and weaken the adrenal glands and liver as well as irritate the gallbladder. Hmm. Uh, Caffeine also increases the adrenal stress hormone cortisol, which again is a fat-producing hormone. So good alternatives to coffee are sparkling water, herbal tea without caffeine, and even green tea, which has some caffeine, but it isn't too bad. Mm -hmm. But, you know, naturally decaffeinated green tea is better. Right. Okay, the next thing is drugs, and that is recreational drugs and all medications, which have side effects on the glands, especially the liver. I thought I'd go over specific ones and what they really do to the body. All right. Psychotropic drugs deplete hormones and also make it difficult to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Hormone replacement drugs and birth control pills contain synthetic estrogen, which is a fat producing hormone. Okay. The steroid anti-inflammatory drug prednisone is tough on the adrenals and tends to cause fluid retention. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, again, insulin, which some people absolutely have to take, is a fat making hormone. Mm-hmm. Statin drugs for cholesterol and blood pressure medications are also brutal for the liver. Okay. Uh, diuretics deplete minerals, especially potassium, which can cause adrenal stress and fluid retention. Yeah. And antibiotics not only kill bad bacteria, but also good bacteria in the intestines, which also puts stress on the liver and the digestive system. Yes. All right, The next, uh, gland blocker is growth hormones. These are found mainly in animal foods we eat, including meats, milk, cheese, and farm raised fish. Hmm. Some of these are estrogens and some are growth hormones like bovine growth hormone. And the next up is the endocrine disruptors. And these include pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, and heavy metals. And all of these can mimic estrogen within our glands. One of the Heavy metals, mercury, is found in dental fillings as well as fish like tuna and king mackerel. Mm-hmm. And heavy metals are also found in vaccines along with formaldehyde, antifreeze, and the active ingredient in the herbicide roundup called glyphosate.
0: Yep. We went over that in the episode having to do with vaccinations and immunization. Yep. But, you know, we don't want to see anything bad about vaccines these days because it's not
1: politically correct. And, you know, there might be an outbreak of, God forbid, measles in your community. Right. Food and cosmetic chemicals. You know, we went over many of these in detail in podcast episode 25 on personal care products, and these are especially harmful to the liver. Mm. Yeah. And then finally, this one's interesting, eating food without enzymes. Uh, Dr. Berg stresses that when you eat most of your food cooked, steamed, pasteurized, roasted, processed, or refined, Then you're consuming food without enzymes and depleting your enzyme reserve which can put a strain on your glands and organs. Hmm. So enzymes again are proteins in the body that are the workhorses responsible for all of the chemical reactions having to do with things like digestion, detoxification, reducing inflammation, and many other functions in the body.
0: Right. So that goes over water retainers and gland blockers. Now, what recommendations does Dr. Berg have for when you have to eat out or when you're stressed? Because you talked about stress and its effect on things, and it's almost impossible to avoid all stress. And there are times where people are going to eat out, where they're not going to be able to control as well as they do when they're at home. So, what does he recommend for those two situations? Okay, well, let's start with eating out at
1: restaurants. You know, we just learned that Chinese restaurants are notorious for having food with MSG. Mm -hmm. You know, so make sure that You ask if they use MSG in preparing or cooking the foods because it's often in their pre-made sauces Mm. as well as their flavor packets that they give out. Oh, yeah. When you're picking up the food, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Italian restaurants usually serve bread, pasta, and breaded dishes, so skip these and go with a salad with some steak or fish. Okay. Mexican restaurants have many dishes that use tortillas, refried beans, and taco shells. So a good alternative is a burrito bowl like they have at chipotle Mm -hmm. and if you want to get a burger then instead of having it on a bun have them wrap it in lettuce and this is a common practice now and is famously done at in and out burger at your neck of the woods that's correct
0: as well as five guys here in florida do they do it at five guys now they do well they don't probably call it protein style but no that's okay
1: yeah And then also just skip the dessert.
0: And, you know, even if you ate a healthy
1: super meal, you know, a super healthy meal and came from the gym and did an incredible workout, then the dessert can just wreck all the positive benefits that you gain from your other good behavior. Right. Now, Dr. Berg also has some tips for social events and parties. Uh, He recommends that you eat an apple before you go. I mean, he's really big on apples for a number of reasons. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, First of all, they contain a good amount of malic acid, which helps push bile through the liver and is also good for fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: They contain pectin, which is a gelatinous substance that helps with cardiovascular and digestive health. Mm -hmm. And when eaten whole, they're high in fiber and slow down insulin. And they're also high in potassium and contain no sodium.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Pretty good. Yeah, Yeah. Very good. He also recommends snacking on lots of nuts at the event. I would like to add that that doesn't include peanuts and cashews, which are not nuts, but legumes and are highly inflammatory. Right. Uh, he says that you should counteract the negative effects of refined sugars or carbs, including chocolate or cake, by eating leafy greens before and or after to supply potassium since these foods lower potassium and raise sodium, causing water retention. Hmm. And he recommends that when you eat junk food at a party, you know, just behave and eat a small amount so that you don't push your blood sugar and insulin out the roof. Right. Now, eating when stressed requires strategy too. Mm-hmm. I mean, this can be challenging because when your adrenals are stressed, you, you can look for comfort in food and you may not be thinking clearly during this time. Right. So it's important to eat foods that support the adrenals, which interestingly enough happens to be Fatty foods that stabilize your blood sugar, such as butter, cream cheese, brie with apples, chicken noodle soup, coconut butter, and avocados. Wow. Yeah. Other healthy foods that help to stabilize your blood sugar include raw nuts, celery, apples, carrots, and low-fat yogurt. Hmm. The worst thing to do when stressed is to skip a meal and not eat. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the other end of the spectrum, it's also not a good idea to overeat and stuff yourself, which a lot of people do when they're stressed. Right. Also, supplementing with calming minerals, including potassium, magnesium, and calcium, is very, very helpful. And one more thing on consuming refined sugars when you or your kids consume these, they cause large quantities of lactic acid to build up. And this is a byproduct of sugar metabolism.
0: Really? So, yeah.
1: Uh, you know, lactic acid makes people restless because it lowers oxygen in the tissues in children. It can lead to hyperactivity and in adults, restless leg syndrome. Wow. Yeah. Uh, some of the B vitamins get depleted when you're stressed as well uh, as when you eat, uh, refined sugars or refined grains. And a good natural source of B vitamins that Dr. Berg recommends is nutritional yeast, Hmm. which you can add to plain low fat yogurt each day. Okay. It's not brewer's yeast. It's nutritional yeast.
0: Right. I think that's what they use on those cheese curls, those paleo cheese curls is nutritional yeast, since they don't use cheese on it. Yeah. All right. Now, what do you feel are the other vital points from this book that we haven't covered yet? Okay. Well, you know, there's a few more things I like to cover. Okay. And the first is
1: concerning people who fall under the thyroid body type. Mm hmm. Now, I've actually known this for quite a few years, but eating certain vegetables that are normally super healthy for everyone can actually be troublesome for people with thyroid issues. Hmm. Yeah, especially underactive thyroid conditions. And these are known as cruciferous vegetables. Uh, cruciferous vegetables include broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, kale, radishes, turnips, and turnip greens, bok choy, watercress collards, mustard greens, and rutabaga.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: the health benefits of these include the fact that they are anti-estrogen, anti-cancer, anti-toxic chemicals, and they greatly assist the liver with detoxification. Okay. However, they have a slight effect in the body of reducing iodine, which is a vital mineral needed by the thyroid to produce and activate its hormones. Mm. Yeah. The diet plans in this book include large amounts of vegetables including cruciferous vegetables, for all the body types. So to be on the safe side, if you're a thyroid body type and are consuming moderate to large quantities of these cruciferous vegetables, then you should increase your iodine intake by either sprinkling some kelp or dulce on them or by supplementing with iodine, preferably a liquid form. Okay. Now, while doing this program, an individual could actually experience weight gain or could lose a lot of weight and then plateau. Mm-hmm. So, the first instance, weight gain, is most likely due to the fact that you're building more muscle and muscle weighs more than fat. Yes. So, if this happens, you should assess how you're feeling and check to see if your clothes fit better and measure your waist and hips. And, you know, because if you're putting on muscle, then all these things will be improving. Now, if you dropped a bunch of weight quickly and then plateaued, then basically that means that you lost a lot of water weight in the beginning. Mm. Right. Um, I mean, you can potentially lose unlimited amounts of water and people who can lose and gain several pounds within days are basically experiencing water loss or gain. Yeah. Uh, the maximum amount of fat, however, that can be burned in one week is just one to two pounds.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you initially lose a lot of, you know, a ton of weight and then slow down to one to two pounds a week, then it's perfectly fine because you lost a bunch of water initially and are now taking off fat. Good. And then the other thing that I love that Dr. Berg shares in this book is his famous cranberry drink. Oh, yeah. You know, I know you're very aware of this because I've seen you make it and I've used it uh, myself and have recommended it to lots of my patients since I found out about it last year. Mm -hmm. So he has you start making it during the liver enhancement step and he recommends that you drink it first thing in the morning upon rising, before lunch and before dinner. And it's basically a mixture of six ounces of water, either spring or purified water,
2: mm-hmm.
1: two ounces of unsweetened cranberry juice, mm-hmm. one teaspoon of lemon juice,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a half to a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar. Mm-hmm. So the cranberry juice supports normal kidney, bladder, and urinary tract functions and is very high in potassium and low in sodium. Mm-hmm. The lemon juice supports normal immune function and helps contract the liver. Mm-hmm. And the apple cider vinegar, preferably brags, helps to balance the body pH, eliminate waste acids, provide potassium, fortify uh, the good bacteria in the intestines, and reduce water retention. Okay. Uh, Both lemon and apple cider vinegar also help stimulate hydrochloric acid production in the stomach to improve protein digestion and the absorption of calcium, magnesium, iron, and B vitamins. Mm. Now, personally, this drink is a bit too bitter for me, so I normally add a few drops of stevia to
0: it to make it more palatable. Okay. So, now that we've gone through all that, is there anything else you'd like to add before we end? Yes, I would like to talk briefly about something
1: that Dr. Berg touches on in the seven principles of fat burning, but goes into more detail about it in his newer book. Okay. And it's called Body Composition Analysis. Mm Mm-hmm. In the questions and answers section of the seven principles of fat burning, the the question was posed, how do I know if I have water weight or fat? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Dr. Berg answers it by saying that you can get tested using a body composition analyzer, and this allows a practitioner to measure body fat versus fluids.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, this is helpful, for example, if you're overweight and you get your body fat tested and it comes out low or normal. Hmm. And that means that you likely have more fluid weight. Hmm. And, you know, this is likely someone with the liver body type pattern and is probably someone who has tried to exercise and has failed because, you know, you've got to first handle the liver with the liver enhancement program and then follow the liver diet, plus do intense anaerobic exercises such as resistance weight training two to three days a week in short bursts. So hmm. chances are that people haven't been doing any of that stuff. Yeah. Now, I have a body composition analyzer, and I'm looking at including it in the nutritional analysis pilot that I spoke of a couple of podcasts ago. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's various body fat percentage devices available. Uh, Some of the more common ones are the ones that you grip or stand on. Uh, These are inexpensive and can be purchased for home use and are also commonly used at gyms and weight loss centers. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the equipment that I use is much more precise and is used in clinical settings and university-based research facilities. Uh, It involves placing two adhesive electrodes on the right foot and ankle as well as the right hand and wrist. And this device measures electrical tissue conductivity by running a small current through the body for 10 seconds while the patient is lying down. So it's non-invasive, comfortable, and gets very quick results. And what's really great about this equipment is that the software that comes with it can do more than just determine body fat percentage and total body fluid. It can even tell how much fat there is in pounds and how much fluid is inside the cells, which is a good health indicator, Mm -hmm. and outside the cells, which is a good toxin indicator. Wow. Yeah. It, It essentially gives an accurate representation of not only how well hydrated someone is, but also their balance of electrolytes, specifically sodium and potassium. Wow. Yeah, and the health of the cell membranes, which are largely dependent on omega-3 fatty acid levels in the body. Hmm, wow. Yeah, yeah. So this assessment will be available very soon in my office and can be used with any weight loss program as well as our upcoming nutritional assessment program.
0: Very cool. All right, well, you'll have to keep everybody updated on that because I'm sure you have a lot of people that are interested in getting that done. I'm probably going to do that when I come in town next. Cool. Good. Well, that finishes up a long round of nutritional episodes, which were great, starting with all the vitamins, the minerals, pregnancy, and the seven principles of fat burning. Now, next week, we're going to start a little bit of a shift, but it's going to kind of tie into what we were talking about. We're going to go into information about the hormone system or hormonal system. There are various glands and hormones which are released into the body that affect uh, just about everything, including people's emotional states. And we're going to then go into more depth in things like the adrenals, liver and gallbladder, pituitary and pineal gland, And those have a tie back to what we were just talking about with the seven principles of fat burning, but they have a lot more effects on the body than just that. So that's going to be the next round. We're going to be starting next week on the hormonal system. And so, Steve, I'm looking forward to hearing about all that with you next week. Me too. Cool. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at infobodychatpodcast.com. At That's infobodychatpodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week.